All right, you ready to start this? Yeah, baby, let's go. This is Fish's Call Sheet. This is our very official first one, and I picked uh, kind of the perfect place to start. So the concept of this show is that this is where we share the behind-the-scenes view of the entertainment industry, and we celebrate the people who make production possible. And I couldn't think of a better way to start this uh, than to have Jeremy Armstrong, who is... Wow. Uh, like, how long have we known each other? Since 1988? Yeah, 88. We're on, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, episode, episode what, one? What's your official job title? My official title is the property master. Property master. Okay, so for people who don't know, what do people think a property master does? Uh, property master, probably what people would think, with not in the uh, relation to television, would be... Yeah hustling property, renting property, <laughs> right. I don't know, <laughs> some weird bondage property master. <laughs> but in our thing, it's ideal with whatever the actors touch. Right. The, and, and the uh, gray area is the actors may sit on a chair or sofa, but that's set dressing. I deal uh, much more intimately with the actors and what they touch computers watches rings food right. stuff like that well so i always laugh because i always think um a good prop master is like somewhere between q and james bond and like rent from yeah. shawshank redemption like you can get anything for you <laughs> it's just yeah, a matter of exactly. time right it's it's if you need anything you go to the prop master because right. he's he knows a guy yeah, he knows a guy who knows a guy, and he'll make sure. I know sure. a guy. Yeah, I know a guy that can do that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you always have the best tech. Like, I think that's the biggest that's right. thing. The cell phones, I'm not sure how we did the show back in the early 90s when we didn't have internet to source things. The expectation now is a lot more because of the internet, but right. we also have choices to, instead of going and settling on one thing or a choice of two things, I can choose from a hundred things and get exactly what I want, what I kind of want, what I think they might want, and another one. And, and we're good, you know? And get it delivered overnight for free. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and if they don't like it, a lot of it you can send back. In the old exactly. days, everything was like, oh, I'm stuck with it. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly, no. So it's, uh, it's fun, the technology is changing, and that's where me as a prop master, I have the most fun with it because I love the new technology. I love the things we're doing with phones to create fake calls coming in, fake texts, uh, doing web pages, stuff like that. It's now, it's no longer, the prop business isn't caught up with the uh, technology yet. We're really in front of it, at yeah. least on the Roseanne show we are, the Connors. We don't have our phones face down when there's a call coming in and they just pick up the phone. We actually trigger phone calls, we trigger texts. So we try to do things so the actor is never having to force act. We want to give the, the ability to stay in character and do everything real. And it's just those little things that, in my professional opinion, that just, it's, it's a thing that helps an actor do what they're doing and not have to think about, oh, okay, I'm pretending that phone's ringing. The really rings for them it's amazing because i i think it adds an element of authenticity authenticity exactly. because you you're not waiting on a phone call the phone rings when it's supposed to you interact right. it lights up the way it's supposed to so it doesn't take an audience member out of suspension and disbelief because you're not going right. well when I, whenever anybody calls me my phone lights up and here he is on this movie right it, it immediately someone in the audience is like oh that's that's fake yeah the phone didn't even light up when it rang that's one of the awesome things. Uh, you've always, Jeremy, done kind of this like cutting edge, been ahead of technology. I think, so obviously that's one of your passions for your job and it, it makes 100%. a big difference. Well, and also as a prop master, I'm out building, creating, shopping, getting the show ready to be shot. So I don't get to do what I used to love to do the most was be on set with the actors and getting to hang out with the actors as much as I do. And through the technology aspect of it, I get to do what I love, interact with you guys and talk you through it and help you through scenes. And it, it just puts me back in the place that I love to be that I can't be because now I'm running the department, so. Right, how long have you been in the entertainment industry? Whoo, well, 
I've been in longer than you've been alive. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, close. No, actually, no. I, I mean, I was in, I started my first show ever was the first season of A Different World, the Cosby spinoff with Lisa yeah. Bonet. And I believe that was in probably 1988. So 88, then I, I left to do the pilot of Roseanne. And then we did the first season of Roseanne that same year. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, yeah, probably, what, 30-something years. Gosh, I can't believe. I mean, because I still feel and act as immature as I did at 18. So I can't believe it's been that long, but the years. Yeah, we still I go mean, out and mess around and play catch and, and act while oh, yeah. we just the next day feel it a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You feel it. And my beard now has a big graze in it, so. Yeah, well, look what you guys did to me. Exactly. Oh, we did to you. <laughs> yeah, or maybe I did to you. <laughs> hey, you own a few of these, buddy. <laughs> I'm sure I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the uh, Godzilla in the background. All right. Yeah. I, I recognize him. <laughs> well, you know, you got to keep some things close. For sure. And picture of Quinny up there. I like that, too. Yeah, I still that's... hold on to mine as well. Yeah, I. you know, it's one of those things making sure you pay homage to the right people and, and keeping track of, you know, where you come from. A hundred percent. I can't agree with you more. You know, like property masters, one of those things that people outside of this business kind of have no idea, right? Okay. So what was the moment that you knew you wanted to be in the entertainment industry? Huh? Well, I kind of was just, I didn't have anything else going really to start with. And a neighbor said, Hey, well, why, I'm working on the show. Why don't you get into this show? And my first day, because I had worked since I was 15 and a half, movie theaters, ice cream stores. So I had a real good work ethic, but I just was kind of, I didn't like school. I hated that situation. I didn't like being forced to do that. So I uh, got this job as a PA on a different world. And I came home day one and I'm like, this is the greatest. Yeah. This, this business is amazing. I want to be in it. I don't know in what capacity and being a PA is great right now, delivering scripts and copying them. And I took Lisa Bonet home my first day of work and I was freaking out. <laughs> I fell in love with it at that point. And it's, it's been ever since everything, movies, single camera, sitcoms, which I love. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it, it works for me. It works for my life. It, it works for my personality. And uh, I just love it. It's, it just kind of happened. It's one of those things where uh, a sliding door, who knows if I did something else where I would be right now. I certainly wouldn't be sitting in my house talking to you. So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm exactly where I should be. Well, that's how I always felt. I always felt from the very beginning that everything about this thing was magical. And I loved, I loved all the people. And I loved what we get to do. And I love that every day is different. Even when the first show ended and I was doing other stuff and working from project to project. And even when I found myself out of this business, I always knew, man, I wanted to be in this business. I mean, yeah. I've done a little bit of everything. I even have a little bit of props on my, my record, but I'm nowhere. I'm not, I'm not in the Jeremy Armstrong category. Hey, Fish, yeah. send me your resume. I'll take a look. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always have you on my crew, buddy. Well, I'll tell you right now, you made an impact on my life. And so, you know, when you say the sliding doors thing, I always think to myself, where would I be? Not just without having this opportunity, but without the people that really kind of shaped my life. You know, the people who came in and have made this impact. I mean, we're looking at, you know, what are we, 32 years yeah, <laughs> of knowing no, each for other? Sure, for sure, for sure. So and you, it's true. The last two years of the Roseanne show was when we really started bonding over fantasy baseball, fantasy yep. football, all of that stuff. And that's when you really started to become a, a grown-up those last two years, you know, because you were a kid and you were having fun and you had to do your schooling as you did the last few years, but grew into same, same things we liked. Yeah, so, passion. I mean, that was super, super fun. It's a beautiful small world where you get to work with all of these incredible people. And it really is about building relationships and, and treating people the right way and having the right interactions and the right people on a set make every day enjoyable and make the set work. Agreed. But there's also coming from doing so many different shows 
projects, movies, stuff. There's all you spend a ton of time with people and you come to a place where the show's ending and everyone's like, Oh, we're going to keep in touch. We're going to do this, that, you know, and you truly believe it at that time, but you never do because you're onto a new project where you're doing another 60 hour week thing, blah, blah, blah. But there are these anomaly shows that have changed you have molded you maybe because you're younger and it, it you're, you grow up with this whatever it is our show Roseanne to the Connors is an anomaly it's not like a normal show it's right. it's like going to work with family yeah and, and and it is I mean for a few of us that are original people it really has made a difference and it's a different vibe on that set and it's just it's so refreshing and it's so easy to work and it's nice to know because, you know, I mean, I, it's nice to know that you have some sort of voice. If you have an opinion on something or you think something could be better, you can bring it up and you know that it will be heard and not just, yeah, 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 whatever. Just get what we want. You know, they're, they're, they, they, they appreciate your professionalism yeah. and your ideas. So, and, and that doesn't happen a lot. So, I mean, it's a it's an amazing place to be, and it's and I, you'll never find it again like that. I know in my I mean I'm 52 now, and I'll continue to work, but it will never be like this. So you come across these things once or twice in your life where you're in the right place with the right people at the right time. Yeah, and I think it's amazing because like for me in particular, I held on to so many of you because you were so instrumental, but there's that gap, right? You try so hard to, to stay connected, but people have to work. People have families and they're working 60 hours a week and you, you know, you miss each other calling and your schedule can be crazy, especially if you work single camera or a movie, right? Like the nice part about being on a multi-cam is our schedule is at least a little more focused. Yes, for sure. For sure. You can, you can have a, a life outside of work as well, which is nice. It's special. It really is it special. Is. And, you know, funny things like from our side, like when people go and watch the Connors from what you do that I always laugh is like, look at the lock em up magazine or look at the newspapers, <laughs> exactly. you, know, you know, all of the little touches that you, you put in, but they're all connected to all of us. Of course. Those are, those are my little, what I call Easter eggs. I'll never just give you a, a lock em up magazine or a newspaper or a computer screen that doesn't have a little a little easter egg hidden in there for you to give you a little chuckle to to keep it real but fun and keep it fresh you know i mean a lot of people are minimalists they just you know oh you need a newspaper here's some newspaper but you know i'll take i like to have some fun with it if, if there's a a momentous occasion in in someone's life their kids are doing something or got accepted to school or as i did with my nephews and their becoming professional baseball players, throw those little things in. Let's, you know, look back on this in 20 years and be like, oh, hey, look, that rerun there, you know, remember that's when you got drafted to the big leagues. And I think everyone appreciates, and it's, and, you know, I spread it out so everyone on the crew and cast and whatever we can do, we work everyone in. So they have fun with it. Look, you're used to being on the screen, but when I put a set dresser's face on a magazine and they're on the show, it's a big deal. It's yeah. like, you know, it's memorable because they'll ne- probably never have or never will again. So I like to be able to, you know, provide well, that. I Plus love it's it. Easier. It's easier for me for clearance. Yeah. <laughs> Let's well, face I it. it. I would love to talk about that part of it. Because to me, I think that's, that's where this started for me is wanting to celebrate all of you who, because you guys don't just do the minimum. You don't just kind of walk through it. And I've worked enough places and worked in enough departments that I have watched people walk through it. And those people exist oh, yeah. in the world. For me, this is an opportunity to highlight kind of those Easter eggs, the beautiful moments, the passion of the people who really make the passion of the project work. And I think it, it makes a project stand out. It makes it show up. 100%. It you does. Know? It does. People watch this and hear about these Easter eggs. Go to the Connors and watch a, a couple episodes and you'll see little nuggets everywhere. Yeah, you better pause things because that's what I do. I spend as much time going through and pausing and saying, okay, whose family's there? What's on this? Okay, who was on that week's lock them up or who, right? In the newspaper. Oh, yeah, I get calls. I get calls after an episode. Someone will call me and be like, dude, was 
is that you on that magazine cover? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it was. I didn't even remember that it was that episode, but yeah. You know, that's the love. And I think you can see it. Fun. You, you talked about your first job. What is the most memorable project other than this one? Because we've talked about this. What is another project that stands out? I'll tell you, other than obviously my first job, which was a different world, which kind of molded me. And then this growing up with you guys and kind of coming into my own on this show. I, the first show that pops into my mind is Entourage. Entourage being because every week it was a massive sports star on. We'd have Tom Brady. We'd have Phil Mickelson. We'd have, I mean, I caddied Phil Mickelson for three days. That's awesome. I was the only, one, the only one allowed to carry his clubs. And we were at Trump National Golf Course and we had three holes. And he's giving me little, little uh, tricks of how to do this. And I'm, I'm holding his lefty putter. He won the masters with, and I'm just like, what's happening here? Right. And they're paying me. This is the greatest. And he's showing me trick shots. And I mean, it's those little things that in our entourage, it would happen every episode. I mean, it was hard work. It was right. all location. We do three, maybe four locations a day. It, and you do, you know, 70 hours a week, but you're hanging out with Tom Brady, asking him about when he won the Super Bowl MVP and with Mark Wahlberg. And, you know, I mean, it was incredible. I would have to say that was a, a real highlight. You fanboy over Leo DiCaprio when he comes to set. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's Jack from Titanic. You know? I, I can totally relate because, you know, even growing up on the show, I worked on the technical side on sports science. I got to throw passes to Jerry Rice. No, oh, that's pretty amazing. On that show, I was working, doing props and uh, set design and stuff. And they're like, we need somebody to throw passes to Jerry Rice. Anybody throw? I'm like, I throw. I'm throwing. Yeah. How do I, what, yeah. what do I do? And, he, and it's even just the people who show up. Well, that was Leo. He was just coming to see Kevin Connolly and just showed up. And he's like, <laughs> oh, man, we're at the W pool with 150 bikini clad women. And I was staring at Leo. <laughs> I don't understand it. I was single at the time. <laughs> For me, you pinch yourself. I, I think on our show, sometimes you look up and what are considered guest stars or whatever who are there for a week and you look over, it's another legend. Oh yeah, well on the original, you know, that was our thing. We started that, bringing out big name people every episode. Bruce yeah. Willis, Tony Curtis we had, we had, you know, I mean, everyone. Sharon Stone. But I mean, it was pretty amazing. All right, now what's the strangest thing you've seen on a set? Without getting anybody in trouble. <laughs> we got to keep some stuff to I ourselves. Understand. I understand. The strangest thing I've ever seen. Now, what are some strange things? Like, what's, like, what are, like, you work in props. I know you get strange requests. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, one, <laughs> one sleepless weekend, uh, there was a, a request for a prop that we had to have a birthday cake okay. that was a bowling alley. And the bowling alley roof was on fire and the, a fire truck has to squirt chocolate sauce to put the fire out. And this is on the weekend to shoot on Monday. And then, yeah, and then just, just to add to the pain, they said, then we need the girl to just come in and put her hands in it and just destroy it. I which means it. we need five of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Once I figure out how we could possibly do this giant. So, I mean, and, and, you know, I did a lot of Disney shows. So I work with a lot of kids stuff where there's always a gag. I mean, it's, it's a good boot camp, but it's, right. it's hell on wheels pop wise. That was a, uh, a pretty crazy one. We made it work, believe it or not. Well, Somehow or another. And that's the thing. It. You always make it work. Yeah. And, and on a moment's notice. So when I gave the example at the beginning of like a cross between Q from James Bond and Red, uh -huh. who can get, who's got a guy who can get it, whatever you exactly. need. And I always used to laugh on the writing side because I've worked on the technical side. Whenever somebody throws out an idea like that, I'm always like, oh, oh, like, <laughs> hold on. Because <laughs> I'm on the crew side, I used to joke, we don't have a magic wand. <laughs> like, there are limits to what you can get. But there, that it's it's a double-edged sword because you work like when I, I work with Bruce and all of them, and if you give them enough confidence in yourself, right. you almost create more havoc for yourself because they're like, oh yeah, Jeremy, no problem, he'll be able to work this out. Yeah. And oh, remember we did a robot. They decided to have a robot. There was no prep to it. We needed yep. a Walmart robot awesome. to be built that would move around. And it's like, okay, it's gonna cost some cash, but we'll do it. The amazing part is 
within hours, you have this remote control thing that you can yeah. send around set that was everything they asked for and more. Yeah, know? it turned out great. I, I mean, that was one of my greatest in such short time and keeping the budget relatively in check. It was, it was one of my greatest successes for real, just because that thing could have been a, a $30,000 prop turning right. it over in, in two days, basically. So we could rehearse with it. I wanted to show the network it to make sure everybody liked it. So it was like, I got the script on Sunday night. Oh no, on uh, Friday night. And there's a robot in it. And I need to have this robot working by what is that? Wednesday. Yeah. Run. Through. And I needed it a little earlier so I could learn how to run it. Cause I like to run those things. I don't like to bring someone else in again. It keeps me relevant and keeps me in the action, which I like. And it puts a little more stress on me because, you know, I should probably just let a, a, a robot guy do it. So if something breaks down, it's on him. Not me. <laughs> you know? right. I do think though, and at least for me, speaking as the actor now, I think that we love that you do that and that you're hands-on though, because for us, we have trust with you. Right. right? That, well, that's one of the reasons I like to do it too. You're familiar with me. You trust me. You know I'm going to do everything in my power to make it right for you, not for me. You understand the tone of the show right. and what's going on, because that's the other thing. Sometimes, you know, on the crew side, you bring somebody in and they just kind of do things their own way or are not used to what's going on. And it can be a bit of a nightmare, right? Cause you well, right. in our, our, our area, you know, there's ebbs and flows when you want to go in and hand someone something or try to fix something, or you just know from being around enough to just let it be, right. it'll be fine. Right. You know, walk away and there's a better time to go. Exactly. So, and, and some people are just a little too excited and want to just jump in and, and get in in the action and, it only comes with years of experience, but you, you see all what's happening before it even happens. It's what I call props bitey sense. Oh, you know what? We're probably gonna, they're probably gonna ask for this because of this. So let's make sure we have a couple of these because I have a feeling they're gonna say, oh no, that's not gonna work. Let's go with this. And we have it. And, and nine times out of 10, that spidey sense is right on the mark, so. Well, that's the thing. That's the one of the things about you that's so remarkable is it's not just giving them what they want or what they ask for. It's you do it. And then a lot of times it's not even them. They love it. They got what they wanted. And then the network comes in last minute or oh, yeah. somebody else comes in one of one, somebody else who has a voice and says, Oh, it's too big. It's too, it's too green. It's too whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, you know, that's where we turn to you. We look at Jeremy. Jeremy just pops out <laughs> with three others or one that's just a little smaller. Or <laughs> Here's a red one. And here's a blue one. You guys right. check watching projects i think if you sit back and you watch any television show or any movie and you look at how many things an actor touches over the course of a scene a show a project that you can manage all of that stuff all at the same time and be ahead and then still engaging and personal and and you know it's a real testament to who you are it's one of the things right I but admire it's, about it's, you. it's also I mean, I can't do it all. My crew is right. paramount and they're the greatest. And if you don't have a great crew, that's where you have some real holes where right. stuff can fall through because I can't do everything. I can't be there all the time. So, you know, you need to find a nice flow. You need to find the right people that you can work with that understand your style, that you understand their style. And look, you need self-starters in this business is what I found. You can't possibly tell everyone everything they need to do. They need to know, they need to anticipate, they need to think ahead. And that's what makes a good prop team. And when you don't have people, people that are just waiting, like, what, what should I do? That doesn't work for me. I need you to come in and hit the ground running and just look at the call sheet and know what's going on and let's go. Yeah. And of course, I'll help you. I'll, I'll give my, ultimately, it's, it's the look I have to sign my name to. So I'll give my little notes on what I think. I think this would be better if you had it here or filled with this or whatever, but I need them to start the process without me spoon feeding them. And we do that on this Connor show. So it's great. T and Susan, and then all of, you know, the side people who come in, because depending on the week, sometimes you need more bodies. I think that's the other part people don't realize is crews go up and kind of shrink down depending For on sure. you have your core. A human being can only do so much. And especially when we're doing it, 
for like run-throughs when we're not even taping, where we're doing essentially the full show nonstop for writers, for executives, for the network. It's fast paced, everything has to flow. So some shows, you just can't do it with your normal crew. You need extra people there, especially when there's a lot of food. If there's food scene and a lot of background, extras you need to uh have a person that just deals with them so i mean yeah there are a lot of elements and it's it's an interesting thing i think right. what you're doing here is good because you're gonna open up you're gonna pull the curtain back a little bit and see what what the wizard's doing back there you know that's always been my passion too i mean i was lucky i worked with so many really talented people and people who were willing to tell me what they did and were willing to let me <laughs> look over their shoulder and dive through all their stuff yeah, sure. and uh, invade their space when I was young. And then as you become older, like you said, you know, we have so many things in common. And I just remember, you know, there were times when I worked on the technical side of things where I would think, okay, how did Jeremy do these things? Or, you know, how, how did members of the crew that really worked well, what were the things that they would go to? And I remember, uh, sports science, I ordered a bunch of extra equipment and they looked at me like I was crazy. And then they didn't like shoulder pads for one of the things. And we had backups and they didn't like one of the balls. We actually got a couple college balls to pull off uh -huh. some things quicker because it was hard with all the moving pieces and everything with all the equipment on, or, you know, I bought different, uh, shoulder pads so I could wire them different with different equipment. Everybody's like, Oh, you're spending too much money. I'm like, no, I'm spending a little more now with planning knowing exactly. that on the day you're gonna you're gonna rescue something right exactly which is what happens all the time all the time and look you can get anything done and buy anything but if you do have to do it fast it costs triple maybe more so, right you know and if, if you do a little pre-prep on that it saves you a a ton of heart heart attacks and b right. it ultimately saves the production money and time, look, when you have 100 people on payroll, every minute is a lot of money. And I don't ever want that whole production waiting on the prop department, ever. I don't care what's happening. I don't care if they just requested a pink bunny. I don't want them waiting on me to get the pink bunny. I want something there that they can work with until I get the pink bunny. Yeah, I think one other area that we haven't talked about that I think people would find interesting is food, right? Ooh. You know, food on food, the prop department. <laughs> food is a big thing. And, big. and you guys do such a masterful job. You know, Susan and T in your department, you know, you guys have combined this, this ability to get whatever the look is, but also to adhere to everybody's specialty diet now. Which we do have a lot. In this day and age, it's changed a lot in 30 years. It yeah. used to be, yeah, whatever, as long as it's warm. <laughs> Hopefully, right. somewhere warm. <laughs> right. Now it's vegan, gluten-free, vegetarian, no dairy. <laughs> it's like we, we have our hands full on our show there. I'm a vegan, but I don't eat nuts, but I do eat this, oh, right? Like, again, sometimes it's an allergy. Sometimes it, whatever it is, but people don't think about it. But that could change the course of everything if you get it wrong. Oh, for sure. And I take great pride in making sure if one of my actors is a vegan that I have options of great, warm, yummy vegan food where I'll go. Like Sarah, I say, well, where do you like? What restaurants do you like? And I'll go. It may take more time and a little more money. But that's what I like to do to make her feel comfortable and happy that she's got food she really likes. She doesn't have to, you know, take a little nibble and just, you know, because that you see that in the show. Yeah. You see someone's not eating their food that's right in front of them that more than likely they just think it's crap. And I, I don't care. I'll do the extra work to make it look and feel and just be a, a better situation. It's just what I do. It's what yeah. I do. But you yeah. know what? Always. I hate food scenes. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather, <laughs> yeah. do, I'd rather do a poker scene than a dinner scene. But, and hey, I have to give you a, a hats off that you always, I mean, Michael is the hidden fifth prop master on the show. Every time he's in a scene where there's anything going, he keeps all the other actors in line. He's resetting stuff for us. He's always helping. So, I mean, and that's unique. That's never happened. There's never been a, an actor helping out the prop guys, at least that I've seen. So, I mean, we, we appreciate it. No, we know. We love you, too. And it's a great thing that you are aware of it. A lot of actors don't even think about it. 
and you're aware that, oh no, this card's got to be here because da, 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 and that's what we're thinking. But once we set, for instance, a poker scene and we walk away, well, without a Hawkeye like you, people are just, you know, futzing around thinking about their lines, moving things around. So the continuity always somewhat can sway a little, but when you're on set, it doesn't sway. It, it stays straight. Oh no, no, you can't move that. That's got to be there. I, I see you. I appreciate I, you. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it, it is my pleasure because I respect what you do so much. And I think that's the thing for me is I always try across the board to be respectful of what everybody does. And I, I love to be able to help to make, if I can make one little portion of it easier, you got a million things to do in a day. I mean, we just talked about it. You're touching everything, moving everything, keeping track oh. of everything, you know, making wishes come true, right? Trying. Yeah. So I love it. You know, it's my pleasure. Like I said, I'll put you in any time, coach. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I'm always ready. All right. All Bring right. your tool belt. I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> All right. What's the dream now? What's the dream after you've been in this business for so long? What's the project that you haven't done that you want to do or the thing you really want to do going forward? Honestly, at this point in my career at 52 and in 30 some odd years, I think I'd like to do another 10 year show sitcom, something where you build a, a new idea from the ground. Right learn these actors, grow with these actors, and create uh, uh, experience that I've experienced on Roseanne and Connors and create that for another whole generation where they're, you know, everyone that does a big show like Everybody Loves Raymond, any show that has any significance in, in modern culture and something like that where they take it in, in 20 years, they say, oh, I worked on Roseanne. Everyone's like, oh, wow, really, Roseanne? That was it, you know? It's yeah. like, it's a, it's a impactful name. I would like to do that one more time before I retire. All right, so I'm gonna pick on you because when I create shows, hey, buddy, I told my list. If, if I'm not getting the call, that's okay. You feel free I'm going to do my own call sheet show and it's okay. going to be a little toned differently. Okay. <laughs> well, it's funny. I should probably clarify because you and I know what a call sheet is. Oh yeah. That'd probably be a good idea. But a call sheet is basically a rundown of what's planned for that day and every, when everybody's supposed to be there, who's supposed to be there, what time and kind of a a layout of the day. It never totally goes the way the call sheet says. Right. Well, now call sheet, the word call is what time you're supposed to be there. That's what call means. So the, the, the basis of the thing, it's a call sheet. What time are you supposed to be here? Every crew member has a time to come in. Every actor has a time to come in. On this, it shows what we're doing in the day, but, but fundamentally it's about when you show up to work. Yeah, because anything can happen. And, and I, one of the things I love about it is it's the same across the board because everybody's on the call sheet. And listen, the call sheets are really important that people forget about because call sheets are the things that are paramount in certain actors getting into the union. Yeah. Certain uh, crew members that aren't in the union yet, they have to get a certain amount of days and the days are calculated by the call sheets. So the call sheets are a very important piece of paper that go kind of you don't realize what a call sheet means to some people. It's like, it's their proof of purchase, basically, you know? So it's, it's an it's a important thing. And you know, the uh, second ADs, they pull out their hair making a call sheet every day. It's not yeah. the easiest thing because the schedule's always changing and, <laughs> and then the calls all change for certain people. So it's, it's, it's not to be uh, neglected and it's not to be uh, not appreciated. Because it's a major ordeal. I'm yeah, glad I, I don't have to call sheet. Trust yeah, me. me. Me too. I did it one time and I was like, this is a nightmare. Oh, God. It's kind of like my goal for this show is it's an under the radar thing that all of us in the business know and look for every day, but that the rest of the world may not know. But it's so it's a simple concept with a much deeper meaning. For sure. For sure. What's the project that you wish you could go back to? knowing what you know now? I mean, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'd love to go back to Roseanne and start it all over. I mean, I'm so young that I wasn't thinking career. I wasn't thinking 
what was happening tomorrow or what happened the day before. I was just in the moment and it was fun. And the show was so huge at that time. Yeah. We had no, we had no competition. It was only ABC, NBC, CBS, and there was no HBOs. There was, there wasn't even, I don't think channel 11 yet Fox, or it was like local news only or whatever. But I mean, we were had huge numbers and it was massive. And we, we partied like it was massive and we, it, the, the rules were different in Hollywood back then. Yeah. A lot changed since then. And I was just a long haired 19 year old just on this, this massive hit show. And we, we had softball teams where we'd play against other shows. And it was like, it was not just a job. It was a lifestyle. Everything revolved around that. We would do trips to Vegas. It was like, it was when work ended, the Roseanne show didn't end. It continued right. on in some different format. And, and that's what I would love to do again. That's what I miss the most. And we have an element of that back on the con. Granted, there's only probably 10 of us from the original show, maybe uh, 15 with writers and actors, but it's still there. And we all, all feel it. And, and I think the way the show's done, everyone that's new to the show on the crew feels it also because they, they're all accepted like their family from right. old school. I mean, they may not have been there, but because that's the vibe that we've kind of built on the set, it's, it's contagious, you know? They're all, it all, it's just a different feel. It's, it's, a, it's a flow I've never felt before in a show. Yeah, no I love young, real, real calm and we, we, get, we get it done and we put out a good product, a great product. I mean, and we, that the shows are written so great with such, and keeping in the true Roseanne form, we deal with issues that no other sitcom will deal with in a uh, serious way, a poignant way, and we still make fun of it. Yeah. And that's a hard line to walk. And I don't know how they write because I couldn't do that, but they do it consistently and that's what makes it so unique as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure I, agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that's the special part. The special part is what you get to do. That's why I always said, like, when they asked me about coming back, this is one of those shows where you're willing to come back because there's so much left to do, but also because you get to do the darkest, most serious topic. And then you get to find something funny or joyful about it, or you become the joke while you're dealing with something tough. Yeah. Oh yeah. No one's yeah. off limits. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. And I love that. And I think, you know, and kind of that's how we are a little bit off, off camera too. Is, you know, we've always been like, oh, yeah. we, we tackle things with humor and we've dealt with everything. That's for me too, is I, I want to start shows like that, a 10 year show, because what you do is you, people meet their spouse on the show. 100%. People, we lose people along the way and we lose yeah. loved ones and we share stories and people meet new people and meet new partners and people go and leave the show and start new careers. You watch them kind of change media in their own way, right? So you, you watch yeah. this breeding ground of creativity. But you need, unfortunately, in television, the attention spans of the network and people are so short that it's such a, what do they call it, a pink whale or whatever, to get a show that lasts for 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, you need a show to have some years built into it before that really, truly starts to happen, do you know? So it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's really hard to get to that point. But they're out there. I mean, look at Big Bang. They did 13 years. Yeah. So they're out there. We can do it. We just need to get lucky. You got to get lucky and you got to, you, you, fire's got to happen. You know, you got to have the perfect storm, the, perfect, the right writers, the right actors, the right time for people right, to want to watch it. I think it's the right production, the right crew, everything. I think they all come together at the right time. The right people show up and it makes it special. The details make it special. For sure. I mean, there's some shows I've done, I think are great and they don't do anything. And, and the shows that I've thought that I've pilots I've done that I thought were terrible, which I won't mention, were big hits. They <laughs> were big hits. You know? I, know. So, I, mean, I don't know. I, I figured out that I'm a good prop master. I'm not a good uh, network controller. Or something. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's funny too, because sometimes you work on a project 
and there's so much talent or it's so great, but it's the wrong time or the whatever it is, like it just doesn't go. And then later you're like, how did we not go? Exactly. Exactly. I'll never know, but they have their little, uh, their method, I guess. I mean, TV's still on, but I mean, the ratings, you know, with, it's so diluted now. We will never see the ratings like we were doing back in the good old days. I mean, no, I mean, we were averaging, I think something I read the other day said we were averaging something like 23 million people or 24 million people a week. God, I even thought it was more than that. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying as an average along well, the way, average. right? Okay. Like, so in our height, close to 30 million? Yeah, 35, maybe even 40 million some. That's crazy. And those numbers are insane, especially for now. I mean, there's just so many more yeah, options a, and places yeah. and, you know, and it, it's changed a lot. You know, we joke with ABC because I started so young, you know, I'm almost like the youngest dinosaur because I remember what the business was like 30, 35 years ago. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I remember the, the aha moment for me growing up in this business was I was always all the old timers. You, the old time union guys like, oh, look at you. You're so young. This is great. You, you this is the guy. And, you know, I didn't care what that meant. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm not the young guy anymore. <laughs> right. I, I feel like I'm the young guy, but there's these little pipsqueaks running around that I call young blood. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow, I've actually grown up in this business. I'm not the young guy. I mean, I'll give them a run for their money. Trust me. I, I might be older than them, but. But yeah, I mean, at some point you transition from the young guy to the old guy <laughs> or yeah. not the old guy, but the, well, the middle of the road. The, ex dude. the experienced guy. The experienced guy, right. Experienced I mean, guy. We'll go with the experienced guy. In, because I came in so young, I get to be extremely experienced at this age and still have all my wits about. I'm not one of those crusty old time union guys. Give me some time. I'll, I'm sure I could get to it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, the hope, is, the hope is for you to get two or three more really great long-term jobs two and, would be great <laughs> and, and, and to keep you that that happy guy who who goes the older experienced guy who never becomes crusty well i don't know let's see what am i 52 yeah i guess i got to get to about 65 okay. 65 i want to be 65 healthy and then i want to grab my wife and i want to travel the world i mean we still are doing it now but i would like to have no ties and right. you know enjoy enjoy it until i enjoy the next thing whatever that is my dream if i could make it all work is to be one of the reasons that you get to retire and go do that hey buddy i love it I, and I, then to get postcards i want postcards as you're traveling the world tell hey, me where i'm supposed to be going you get me on that 10-year show i'll i'll send you postcards with with <laughs> the, the the croissant of the day or whatever okay <laughs> You ready for the rapid fire that I ask everybody? Let's go, baby. Let's go. What's the first thing you look for on a call sheet? What's the first thing? I, I guess just my call time. Okay. You know, I mean, it's not a great thing, but that's it. If you want realism. Yeah. Okay. What's the last thing you want to see on a call sheet? 12 people food scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad. Right. Lots of work. Lots <laughs> of chaos. What's the one thing you want to see when you get to craft service? The one thing I want to see when I get to craft service. Oh, uh, Thai food. Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. Thai food spread. Oh yeah. That's, that makes me, my heart pitter patter. Okay. Now what do you hate to see? What's the one thing you get there? You're like, uh Oh, a nice fresh box of sprinkled donuts. Cause I love them. <laughs> and you're like, Oh no. And now it's, it's all my decisions <laughs> I thought I had in the day are gone. And now there's just one big decision. <laughs> How do I walk away from this? <laughs> now, on the serious note. Okay. All right, Jeremy, how do you define success? How do I define success? I think success for me personally is a feeling of being in the moment. Not just at work, but just in general. Feeling good about where I'm at, providing for my family. Um, yeah. It's a, that's a heavy, that's a heavy, f fast question. <laughs> it, it is, but I like it because you know me, I, I, I think a little oh, deep, yeah. you know, but I love what you said. It's, it's being comfortable in the moment and not having any, re I mean, obviously normal worries, but feeling like you provide properly, 
that you provide for yourself properly and that you're just in a good place mentally. It's, it's hard in this business and just in life in general to, to stay in a positive mind frame with everything that's going on now. And even before this quarantine, there's a lot of, you know, things that can freak you out. And, and, you know, I think success for me is driven by being happy. Okay. I can feel happy and I can see my family smile and be happy and my parents be happy. And then that is success to me, whether I have no money or not, or I have tons of it. It's, it's about quality of life. And it, that doesn't equate to money at all for me, at least. Granted, I spend a ton of it, but, <laughs> but it doesn't, that's not what defines my happiness. Right. My happiness is more on a spiritual happiness through other people, really, for me. If for me, if I see other people happy and content, that makes me happy and that is success to me. All right. And how do you measure up to that definition? How do I measure up to it? I think, um, you know, I have my moments where I question my own happiness sometimes. But when I look at it in totality, not in just day by day, I'm very happy with, with what's going on with my life, my family's life, my career. Um, 30 years ago, I w didn't know what I wanted to do. 30 years later, I'm totally happy and love what I do. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. I could have not been doing this at all. I, I ju it just happened. It just, I, I fell into the right place and... I took to it and I had the personality that kept me in the loop. And, you know, I mean, I left for a couple of years to go play music because I always wanted to challenge myself. I never wanted to take the status quo. I needed to push myself. I needed to try things. I mean, cause at 18, it's young to all of a sudden have your career and, and not move. Yeah. So, so I, I challenged myself and we had good times in it and I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen any of my old band footage, but it's pretty comical. <laughs> my yeah. hair's down to, you know. <laughs> it's on the request now. Okay. I, I, I have some, I'll email you some video. Okay. You, you can put this at the end of the, the episode. Okay. The one around. thing I'll say is being completely honest from, from my perspective, man, are you living up to your definition? And it inspires me. Well, I appreciate that, Mike. That means a lot from you. You're, you're a humble dude. You're a, you're a good guy. I mean, to the core, um, you're always there to help everyone out. And I mean, I think if, if you took a poll on our set of who's the most helpful, upbeat, uh, like team player, I, I, I think you get 95% of the votes. Only because there's a couple knuckleheads on this crew. That's a great <laughs> otherwise, you get, otherwise, you get 100. <laughs> that's, a, hey, that's a great compliment. I'll take it. It's and it's and it's from my heart and it, it's true and it's like no one understands it that an actor will be so involved because they're not and that's no that's no disrespect to actors they have a ton of things on their mind they're right. in front of the camera they're becoming someone they're not it's it's normal but it's really wild when one is so forthcoming and and willing to help and you know so I mean it's you're a unique dude for sure and a unique in a good way. So I give you props on that for sure. That's maybe the best compliment I can get. It's the truth, man. It's, it's, it's very easy to say. It, it, you don't even have to think about it. It just comes out because it's so true. So. All right. so what's the one thing you want on every set, Jeremy? The one thing I want on every set, I want flow. I want flow. I want flow where everybody knows what they're doing and everybody everybody knows what everyone else is doing and no one's gets in the way. There's no, there's no quicksand. It's like everybody, it, it's like, it's like a dance where everyone, when you see when we're shooting and makeup comes in and hair and set dressings there and we're resetting props and the actors and we're just like flying around. There's a flow. There is a flow. And when you're in that flow and everything's going, it's, it's music to my ears. It's, it's a symphony. It is a symphony. I think that's the thing that makes it special working on a great project is get into flow and there's more periods of flow, right? Oh yeah. It's almost a constant flow. I have guests in the audience, they come down and they'll say, it's amazing what you guys do, how there's so many people and you guys are just, 
everywhere doing this and this and 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 they can't understand it and they 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 have anxiety watching all the different things being reset while there's a hundred people in the set and and then we go and do it and then it's a cut do it again or we're gonna start 30 seconds into the scene so you have to know where everything starts now because the scene is halfway done so right. i mean that flow, man, that flow, not everybody has it. It's a unique thing to have. So when it's there, boy, you feel it. You feel it. That's oh, what I love. Beyonce. For an actor, I think that's one of the things that brings out the best in people. Is 100%. It's feel like not having to worry about any of that chaos, knowing people have flow. Flow, that's like a perfect example. It's a perfect example. Flow can't be worked towards. Flow just happens. It's just some, some sets they'll never be flow and everybody's good at what they do. And it, there's just not a flow. It's, I, I can't explain when you fall into that flow mode, but it's, it's happens more than it doesn't on our set. So that's what makes it pretty, that's what I love to see on set more than anything, except your, your handsome face. Of course. Okay. Good job. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Checks in the mail. <laughs> Checks in the mail. That's what I'm saying. 90064. This okay. Time. <laughs> okay, what's the one thing that you would eliminate then? You said flow is the thing you want. What's the thing you'd eliminate? What would I eliminate without trying to be funny about it? You can be funny. I think, <laughs> I think just negativity. Just yeah. negativity. Someone that never want, There are people that when something changes, they just get aggravated. They don't want to do the extra work for it. It's like, oh, what, why can't we just there's just negative people and there just happens to be negative people every now and then. And right. that just, that's a flow killer. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hundred percent flow killer. So, I mean, I just like positive and, and yeah, sure. We'll get it done. Or yeah, let me look into it. Let me see what we can do. That's what I like. Just the kind of like, Oh no, I don't have it or can't do that. That right. bums me out. Okay. Get rid of that. What's the best thing you've ever gotten from a project? The best thing I've ever gotten from a project? Yeah, from working on something. What's the best thing? I've gotten a legacy. People look back, when, like when I turn a resume in to, to get a job. Right. And people look at my work and they're like, wow, you've done some amazing things. And that kind of defines you when you go in and you're looking for a new job. Whereas right. you could have a bunch of shows that no one knows about. And yeah, you're still great. And I'm sure you're a great prop master. But when you have shows that have made a difference in people's lives and generation that they stick out and not just Roseanne, even like entourage and uh, a few other shows I've done that people really identify with Larry Sanders show. Yeah. And it's like, I'm trying to, I, you always ask yourself, what are you going to leave? When you die, are you just gone? And that's it. I mean, right. eventually all your friends and family will die, but, is there something left behind? And so for me, working on a show that I know is going to be around probably long after I'm gone, it means a lot to me to have my name in those credits, even though they fly by and most people that if you're not looking for it, you don't see it. But that's, that's my little piece of history that I'm trying to leave that some other prop master somewhere down the line is like, who would have this one and he's gonna pause it there and see Jeremy M. Armstrong and I'm gonna say all right I've done my job that's I mean because I'm not in front of the camera except if you look at my lock em ups <laughs> maybe I need to start doing more lock em ups for my legacy hey you, you they're all mine they're all mine the camera. <laughs> but uh yeah so I, I think that's what it is you know I just, I'd like to be remembered as a, a good guy number one a good family man and and I work hard but as hard as I work, I have equally as much fun as I work. Trust me, I'm having a ball. I'm not, I'm not always working. Yeah, I think, I think that's the nature of it, right? Is finding fun in what you do and loving this legacy. You know, my last two questions that I, I want to ask everybody are, you know, how do you want people work with you to remember you? And I think you kind of answered is you want to be that joyful guy. You want to be that guy. You want to be exactly who you've been for the last 30 years. Jeremy. Exactly. And, 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 and ultimately that question is, I want to be thought as authentic, you know, and, and this is not, this is not a joke. It's not me doing something to try to just make the days fast. It's just who I am. And I found that 
that may, I maybe haven't always been that way, but I found that that way works best for me, for the people around me, and it helps more people than not by staying positive and being willing to do whatever you need for the project. If you love the project as much as I do, as much as you do, you'll do anything to make sure it's done right, even if it's not your job. And that's important. That's, and and that's, that shows. Yeah, that's why I try to do every day. People ask me sometimes, you're kind of retrospective and introspective. Or, man, that's a really good quote or a really good thing you posted online. And I always laugh because what you just said, you're part of the reason why. I am a multitude of all of these wonderful people that I work with. And I tried to take the best pieces. And, um, man, this was so perfect because it's exactly that. Authentic. I want to be authentic. I want to do one or two things every day on a set that makes somebody else's day easier, that makes yeah. somebody's life easier, that makes it could be something it could be a laugh. meaningful. Yeah, a laugh, a joke, a, a moment. Uh, how are you? Uh, checking in, a peek in. 100%. Somebody's in the middle of doing. You know, you just got that crazy request for the cake with the fire and right. you know chocolate syrup, and I want to peek in the door and be like, "Hey, how you doing?" Exactly. And, and, no. and you don't know how much that potentially could help someone who's maybe having a horrible time with a sick parent or something. And just yeah. someone saying, hey, man, how you doing today? You all right? If you need anything, let me know. You know, it's like the extra step. And mean it. But be it authentic, me, I mean it. like I said about it. And mean it. Exactly. It's just, don't throw. I was doing a movie in Thailand. And one of the th most fascinating things I, I, I came away with was, all the Thai people would ask you, how are you? Not just as a pleasantry. Right. They asked, how are you? Because they wanted to know how you are. It wasn't just like a fine answer that they're, you know, hey, how you doing fine? They're like, how are you? They want to hear about your day. They want to know that you're okay. And that really stuck with me because how are you has kind of been diluted over just massive amounts of saying it when you don't really mean it. So I try not to ever just come in and just say, how are you? Unless I really want to know how you are. Right. And you know what? It's interesting to hear about how people are when you take the time. People, people still amaze me. And yeah. they, when, they re, when they realize it's not just a pleasantry, it's a little shocking to them at first. But <laughs> yes. once they open up and tell you how they really are, it's, it's pretty magical. So I, I, whoever's watching this, I encourage you when you say, how are you? Hello, how are you? Mean it. Yeah. And see how the answers change. What's your legacy? You want your loved ones to take from your life. I think you kind of touched on it. But yeah. that's it, right? Be authentic. Be authentic. I want the people in my life to learn from me in my authenticity. I want them to be proud of me. I, I think uh, uh, throughout my life, I've always had a hunger to, to I mean, in a good way to please people. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in a business of pleasing people. That's kind of my job. And it, it, it goes into your personal life where you want to be liked, but you want to stay authentic. So there's this, this fine line. And we're in Hollywood where everything is so fake. The people are fake here. Growing up here and where I grew up, people were really fake and people were driven by money. I'm sure I was driven by money initially. The, the business pays pretty good. And, but it doesn't define me the money. And as I've gotten older, I've realized how much the, the money's nice because you get to live in a nice house and drive a nice car or whatever. But all those things have no like deep, deep meaning. And I found the deep meaning is my relationship with my wife, with our son, with my parents, my brother, my cousins, my friends, you know, those are the things that it, drives me. And as I get older, I want to get to know these people on a different level as well. As I'm maturing, I want to mature with them and, and, and dig deeper into them and think a little less about work, you know? And so that's what my goal is. Uh, I'll let you know on the next episode. <laughs> I love this. Thank you. No, man. Thank you. It's really fun. And, and I, I think you're the perfect guy to pull the curtain back and, and shed a little light on us carny folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we, we're all in the carnival together, so. <laughs> right. It's, 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 we always say we, uh, uh, one of my assistants, Mike Warga, 
we always said that the crew is just a bunch of carny folk. They all threw together that magically through all our different little interests and powers make these shows happen. So we're just the carny folk here to work. Look at the call sheet and see when we come in. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry, so much for coming on. You were the perfect first guest. And our job here on Fish's Call Sheet is to share the incredible people who make production possible. So each time from a 30-year veteran like Jeremy to someone brand new, I'm going to bring on people with unique perspectives about our business so we can share what's really going on. And as you learn these people, you'll see their names throughout the credits. You'll see their legacy. And you'll know that behind every great project are hundreds of amazing people who make what we do possible. So until next time, this is Michael Fishman thanking you for being here for Fish's Call Sheet. If you want to check us out, check out Fish's Call Sheet on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And you can always catch me at Real M. Fishman. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I can't wait to share more.